The Spotify phone. <laughs> and We're laughing about it now. We're going to come back to this in 10 years and be laughing at ourselves for laughing. It doesn't it. make phone calls. It sends text messages and plays music. The millennial phone. <laughs> we are here trying to help stimulate the middle class with music. Stop pressing CDs. What is the reason people don't hit publish? Fear. Consistent quality content. Did you know that uh, Vance and I want to answer your questions? We do. It's true. Hashtag ask Tom and Vance. Or you can call, what's the number? You can call 615-682-1811. And when you call, leave your name and the city you're from and your question and we'll play it on the show. Yeah, we will. And answer it for you. As long as your question's not weird. Yeah, don't be weird. Welcome to the Music Stuff Show, where we break down the business of music to help you build a career doing what you love. Hey, Vance. Hey, Tom. We're back. Hello. <laughs> I love how you didn't do the crazy loud hello this time. Guys, just so you know, I've been... We're trying new things. You know this. That's why it looks different every single week. And recently, I've been trying these $17 microphones off of Amazon, which I think are fine. Yeah. 90% of the time. I just can't yell. So I've been having to tone back the hello because I just can't handle it. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just sample the hello. And just like have a, a real one. Key, a mini keyboard every episode. <laughs> and I'll just like trigger it. <laughs> It'd be great. It'd be awesome. But just one. I think Apple sells a button on their website that's like, I don't know what it's for, it's like programming or something, but it's just a single button. Mm. Just one button. Oh, dude, there's tons of uh, apps out there that are like uh, sound library apps mm. that you can just do your own samples. So if you're doing, I mean, for all sorts of things, but like live, game show, yeah, events, whatever, that you can just, it's almost like a NPC, but on your computer that you just like can trigger. Just your own yeah. BS voice stuff. Man, what if we did that? We should like release our own sound pack. That's actually not a bad idea. Would we, you guys like that? We were talking about doing uh, GIFs last time we got together. Is it GIFs or GIFs? Or is it both? We've talked about this on the show I'm, before. Unless something has changed. I remember a couple years ago when they finally tried to get the guy that created them mm-hmm. to pick one of the others. Yeah. And I think he sort of leaned one way, but then was a total pass fist and was like, both are totally acceptable. Yeah. Is it graphic interface something? Yes. Is that what it is? What's yeah. the F stand for? Uh, format, maybe? That sounds right. I don't know. It's Whatever. a guess. Anyway, we were talking about doing GIFs, and uh, maybe we'll do a sound library, too. Anything to hack your attention. Yeah. Yeah. You got a fact? I do. I do have a fact. So you have your pewter in front of you. I have my pewter. (laughs) For my fact. For my fact. Which actually, instead of my typical ridiculous uh, outlandish out there facts, I actually feel like this is pretty practical for our audience. Uh, So, I don't know who did this study. Someone's information that recently, whatever metrics they use. Basically, Netflix, did you know, is responsible for basically 15% of global downstream internet traffic. 
Holy cow. Uh, combined with YouTube at 11%, the streaming services account for over a quarter of downstream traffic. Videos in total account for 58% of downstream traffic. Wow. Yes. There's more to this paragraph, but I think that's the most important piece. So basically, people are watching a lot of video. Ergo, it's really good that we added video to this show. That's really the only reason I want to talk about <laughs> it. Less about us, actually. Yeah. I really wanted to use that fact for a standpoint of, if you're making excuses why you aren't using video with your music, yeah. you're a fool. You're a 58%. Dude, that's insane. 58, so basically, 58% of the content that is consumed on the internet is in video format. Yes. That's wild. TV shows, movies, videos on social. Yeah. Like, this is pulling from all of those things. Holy crap. But almost 60%, 6 out of 10 pieces of content that someone consumes on the internet is a video. Dude, I'm blown away right now. I mean, I knew that it, I knew that video was having its heyday. I knew that it was a dominant thing. Mm -hmm. But that's staggering because the remaining, what, 32% or 42% uh, is, uh, that's everything else is, uh, is music getting streamed and uh, blogs and books getting read and downloaded and, yeah. like, I mean, I would be curious to hear the audio statistic. Pictures getting looked at, like Pinterest, like because I, I again, I don't have the statistic wow. in front of me, and honestly, I don't even know whose report it is to go look up. Mm -hmm. But I would be curious with audio, uh, video, and like obviously written, but I, I even want to take that out, like photo, video, and audio like created content yeah. that is put out into the world, I would be curious how much all of that and if that takes up most of the rest of it. Yeah. Well, is it is that I assume that statistic is based on data usage, right? You I would assume so, yes. So, all right, so that is, is going to heavily skew in video's favor because music, data-wise, costs mm -hmm. very little to stream to load text is virtually non-existent when it comes to data. That's fair. And photos have now become so small that they're very tiny as well. So Actually, speaking of, did, reason. have you even seen, uh, I didn't even realize this, I guess it was an OS ago or so, Apple uses a different format now on your phone that's not JPEG? Really? Yes. What format? It's like HE, it's like high efficiency... Interesting. Go to the music. Do, 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 is, so is this Apple doing the thing they did where they championed HTML5 and forced the market to adapt it? 100%. To adopt it, rather. HEIC is High Efficiency Image File Format. Wow. It's amazing what a like elephant they are, that they can just throw their body weight behind something like that and essentially force the market to do it because they own such mad market share in mobile devices. Yep, and it and even so, all right. This is a great uh, this is a great time to go on this tangent about why people don't switch from one platform to the other because, like objectively speaking, Google has the best infrastructure as far as data and AI and future growth are concerned. Mm -hmm. 
to incorporate all of your things, mm -hmm. right? But Apple still dominates because they were the first one there to have your like cross device syncing. And so everybody's gotten, like I myself, have, I'm so plugged into the Apple, the Apple uh, ethos that like I'm to switch would be such a tremendous pain. You know what I mean? Like I used to know what you mean. I actually, so the irony is I have all Apple hardware mm -hmm. and I use almost no Apple software. Do you use all Google stuff? I do. Except for uh, like music and video. Yeah. Like for heavier editing in terms of uh, like mail, calendar, mm -hmm. all anything daily. I all use Google. all Google. Contacts? Google. Really? Yep. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Also, like, even backing up photos, Google. Because yeah, Google Photos is free. And Google Photos has that incredible AI thing where you can say, I want to see all the pictures of trombones, and it will find them for you. Yes. Which is <laughs> nuts. God. Yeah. Yeah, so that, all that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Um, I was just going to let it happen. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> I'm now self-conscious about the first 10 minutes of our show. I'm not. <laughs> you chose to be here. That's true. You have 58% of the internet to be coming. And you, you chose. Don't, don't, don't blame us. <laughs> you have options. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about today? Oh, this was actually a request uh, from the tweeters. From the tweeters. Who was it? I wanted to give him a shout out. I think his name's Adam. Hold on. Basically, while I find Adam, I'm pretty sure your name's Adam. I'm sorry, but uh, I just want to shout you out. Yeah, Adam Galloway. Music man. Spelled at M-U-Z-I-K-M-4-N. What up, bud? Thanks for watching the show. Uh, but basically, we had some Twitter exchanges about the fact that Spotify acquires a minority stake in DistroKid. What's it mean, Tom? I want to take a step back from that and want to get to it. Uh, a few weeks ago, because we batch this show, sometimes we're not uh, like right up to date with stuff. In fact, uh, this news just hit within the past week, but then by the time this episode is dropped, it's going to be probably about two weeks old. So... Such is life. Uh, anyway, it doesn't make our opinions less valid. <laughs> uh, so before that, I don't. It's probably been a month ago. I think you and I have like hopped on. Was it? I think it. We either had this conversation on text or Twitter. I want to say we had this conversation on Twitter. Go look on our Twitter feeds and see. Uh, about Spotify launching Spotify for artists, mm -hmm. basically saying that artists can now upload directly to Spotify without going through TuneCore or DistroKid or mm -hmm. any of the other litany of services that allow you to upload your music. Basically, so right now, social media is like you can, you know, I can publish anything to Instagram whenever I feel like it or anything to Facebook whenever I feel like it. But to get something on an actual music streaming service like Apple Music or Spotify or Google Play or whatever, I had to go through a third party mm -hmm. to do that. And it's still one of the ways that like the, the label or the music system is still just 
overly complicated, right? Mm-hmm. And so Spotify kind of did this like, I don't know what the right term would be, but they kind of did this bait and switch thing with the record labels where they started out and they said, all right, we, obviously we need all of your content, so mm-hmm. we need to sign all these deals with you. And then they got them all cushioned, buddy-buddy, and then they're like, okay, now that we've got you on board, screw you guys, we're going to circumvent you and have everybody upload directly to us so they don't need you anymore. Yes. So they allowed the record labels to help them build power, and then once they had the power, they were like, ah, we don't need you anymore. So they allowed artists to upload directly to Spotify essentially becoming in many ways like a social network, giving the creative power to the individual, Mm -hmm. which is incredible for anybody who doesn't have a record deal, which if you're listening to this show, kind of hope that you don't, and I kind of hope you never do. So getting to the point of today, I think this distro kid was part of that artist for Spotify thing, because I went to distro kid's site and was reading up on it and they have as their header instant access to Spotify for artists and it looks like based on everything I'm seeing on their site that Spotify for artists is powered by DistroKid Mm -hmm. so my guess is what we're going to see is that you're going to be able to go to Spotify and sign up for an artist account and do everything through Spotify but DistroKid is going to be the one handling the back end Sort of like yeah. Amazon Web Services handles the back end for Spotify. That's what I would assume. I right. would assume that Spotify is just licensing. Maybe that's not the right term officially. I, I for think this, they're but taking advantage of DistroKids. I think they're white labeling DistroKids. Exactly what's going on. Uh, platform. Yeah, and then they're taking advantage of their engine mm-hmm. and their DistroKids under the hood now for Spotify. Yes. And in doing so, they've white labeled all of their content and. Like on their website, they've they've got all their normal stuff, and you get to keep your royalty in Spotify faster than any distributor, basically because you are uploading directly to Spotify. But they've also got um, they've always been that though. I would like to be fair, just a little context of history. Yeah, when the internet happened, you've always had to have a distributor. You can never like go direct. Right. And there was a couple big names that I'm not going to mention right now that were expensive for it, had reoccurring fees every year to keep your album online, all this stuff. Yeah. Then DistroKid came and made waves because DistroKid started as this one dude, I'm pretty sure his name's Philip Kaplan, Mm -hmm. uh, that I believe, again, just trying to recall this, was a drummer, but also was a developer on the side, and that's how he kept his hustle alive. Yeah. And was like, ah, this is a problem, this is annoying, and takes way too much effort to try and get your music online. Yeah. He creates his platform, DistroKid, to solve his own problems. Yeah. Dude, uh, that's how the best things are made. It blows up because I'm sure his team has grown at this point, but at the time, just him running DistroKid. There was like three <laughs> people on his team, yeah. which is why it was easy to keep it so mm-hmm. cheap for everybody else because he's not paying thousands of people at XYZ Distribution Company. Mm-hmm. It's like him and two other people. And yeah. your stuff's online, and it's all automated, and you kept it cheap for the artists. Um, so now it's just kind of like the next evolution of that, of eliminating barriers so that people can get their content out. Mm-hmm. And I think Spotify is being brilliant by getting out in front of it, because yeah. it could go into a much longer history. But like the reason I think it's taken so long for music to work on mm-hmm. the Internet is because people fought it for so long. Like... 
moving yeah. from CDs to digital media. And like even as like MP3s happen in the iTunes store, like there's always been pushback on just advances in technology with music, which is yeah. crazy to me because yeah. you think about music and culture, yet it doesn't want to be a part of the tech side of culture. And I think this is interesting because I'm curious to see what happens next for specifically DistroKid, mm -hmm. but just the general floodgates. Mm -hmm. uh, because the other platforms, you still need to go through a distributor like DistroKid if you want to get on Apple Music or mm -hmm. I don't even know if Tidal is still around, but if you care about being yeah, on Tidal. It, it is, but I don't think really anybody cares. Any but of those things. Like what, if you want to be honestly, on all the places. Sensibly, when we're talking about music streaming services, really the only ones that need to be mentioned are Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play and YouTube Music. SoundCloud. Which, for the rappers out there. But I feel like SoundCloud is a, is a different animal. SoundCloud, to me, is more in the realm of a social network than it is a music streaming platform. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I disagree. Feel free to disagree. That's fine. Because I... I mean, if anything, I think SoundCloud is the real front runner because that's what DistroKid or not DistroKid but Spotify is moving towards it's like the big brother clean version if you look like because yeah the reason SoundCloud has been awesome is because you have the kids that are like hustling on it right like, make tracks put them out make tracks put them out right they didn't know how to do the distribution thing they didn't know how to get on Apple Music and mm. like Spotify and all that stuff right screw it I'll just get on SoundCloud. All the other hip-hop guys are here anyway, so it doesn't yeah. matter. And then as soon as they blow up, now they're converting deals. Right. And I think this is the Big Brother version of that. Okay. If I am making... Uh, Do you think they're trying to put SoundCloud out at all? I wouldn't say that. I think they're just moving forward. I think Spotify is one of the few people that are trying to progress. Because well, here's the other well, thing. Spotify is also solely focused on music. Their allegiance is nowhere else. Google Play and YouTube, like, yeah, they're, they're focused on the thing they do, but they're part of a bigger thing that Google is, like, or Alphabet is doing. Apple Music is part of a bigger thing that Apple is doing. Spotify is music and music alone. I mean, but it's also video and podcast, and, like, I don't think it's bread and butter is music. Right. But it still has the outlet for those other things. Yeah. I... But, I mean, it's not, like, they don't sell phones. They're not... Selling domains, you know what I mean? Not yet, they don't. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the Spotify phone. <laughs> We're laughing about it now. We're going to come back to this in 10 years and be laughing at ourselves for laughing. It doesn't that. make phone calls. It sends text messages and plays music. The millennial phone. <laughs> <laughs> be incredible. Yep. Uh, yeah, but I agree. I think Spotify is... I think they're the only ones right now who are seeing that, like, all right, it's time somebody got ahead of it currently. Mm -hmm. Like, Napster, and well, Napster did that a long time ago, but they did it in a way that was really pissed people off. They did, but it's the music industry's fault that they didn't see the vision then. Yeah. Like, started as something that was wrong and took advantage of a system. Mm -hmm. That's not good. Right. I don't think you should steal stuff from people. Yeah. However, the fact that no one in a creative industry had the vision to be like, oh, this is the future. Okay, how do we take this? And then finally, Apple, a couple years later, yeah. is the only person that does, and they're a big enough platform that people are like, oh, I guess we're going to do this well, now. Well, Apple does that thing where they, they let everybody else play in the sandbox, and then they figure out what works, and then they come by and just 
throw their full weight behind it and mm-hmm. bulldoze everybody. Yeah. And that's what Apple will do here. They'll figure out a way. Apple is, continues to position themselves, I think, as a luxury brand, um, more so than the everyman's brand. Uh, and so I think what they're going to end up doing is they're going to end up watching this play out and figure out a way to do a sleeker, refined version of it. If they do it at all, because move, I think moving into this territory where you give everybody free license or $20 a year license to upload directly to Spotify, rather than going, if you remove all those barriers to entry and you make it really easy for people to put stuff up, mm-hmm. I think the, like you are going to have just as a consequence of that, a much larger percentage of your content hosted on your site that is of lesser quality. You're gonna, they're going to find people posting up stuff that doesn't sound nearly as good because there's when there's a barrier to entry, it's going to deter a certain set of people. Mm-hmm. And those people aren't going to be as deterred now, so there's going to be that quality diminished. And I don't know if I see Apple opening up their ecosystem to letting people post stuff that isn't competitive with major label stuff. Like, I know that anybody, technically anybody can put up there right now. I just don't know if I see them pulling that gate anytime soon. They may, they may have to because the market may dictate that they will, but I think they'll wait to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious to see. They, uh, like, obviously Apple Music is still exists, and maybe we're just in a different network. I don't know people that use Apple Music over I, Spotify. I use Apple Music. Really? Yeah. I use Apple Music equally as much as Spotify. Really? Which is weird. I don't know. I cannot. I need to sit back and dissect my behavior on that because I don't know why I do it that way. But I use them both equally in different scenarios. I think it really, a lot of it is dictated by what device I'm using it with. Like I will use Apple Music on my phone. Hmm. But when I'm playing music in the house... I have a um, Google Home speaker, and I'll use Spotify on that because it's not compatible with Apple Music. Interesting. Right? So, I don't know. Um, I don't even have Apple Music. I did, I did not have it for the longest time. I had it when it started, tried it for a couple months, Yeah. and had absolutely no reason to keep it. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah, I didn't have it for a long time. Uh, I will say sidebar, as you're listening, I would love to get you guys' feedback on this. Like, am I just in the dark? Because I feel, personally, as someone that's been an Apple fanboy for a long time, I feel like Apple is in a season that makes it really hard to love Apple right now. Yeah. Uh, They're not doing anything exciting. I want to, like, but every time something comes out, it's just kind of okay Mm -hmm. and twice as expensive. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that I'm like, oh, this is expensive, but this will actually improve my life drastically. Well, I think it's a, it's a difference in ideology, but I think that's why Apple is... They can, first of all, they have the cash flow to weather not being super cool. Like, in the next, you know, if they launch something that's amazing, then they're right back up. I mean, they are... They're doing just fine. But it's the difference in ideology between Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, where Steve Jobs thought it was all tightly controlled, vertically integrated, and that's what they do with every single thing. 
And then Bill Gates said that everything should be open source and let everybody have their input and have it function well together, which is what everybody else does. And that's why you get things like Spotify and DistroKid happening, but when it happens at Apple, they buy Siri and you quietly don't hear about Siri anymore and then they just integrate it as if it was their own the whole time. Mm -hmm. And that's what Apple will end up doing and continue to, to do and I think they'll do it in this arena too. I don't know what that'll look like. But in doing that, they they lose out on some of that integration. Like I think you fast forward several years, what's gonna end up happening is the Apple will have their own version of it in-house where they'll have you can like logic and uh, GarageBand and iMovie and Final Cut will all integrate seamlessly with Apple Music and for video and audio and all that and it'll just be like you're creating and posting and sharing all in one suite. And then over here you'll have all of the software with integrations but it'll all be different brand names and businesses but it will integrate well together. I think ultimately what's going to end up happening is the, the point of creation and the point of broadcast are going to get a lot more tightly linked. Like right now I make music and logic and I have to export it and bounce it and mix it and da 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 and then I finally get it on DistroKid and it goes to Spotify. But eventually it'll, I'll just print right to Spotify from my DAW. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I won't even have to go through all that. Like all of the metadata I'll put into my session, which mm -hmm. you can already do, and then I'll just post it. Yeah, music's really behind. Yeah. Like, which is funny because you can do all this with video. Right. Like, yep. this is already an option. I'm not an IT guy, I'm not a developer, so maybe there's a lot more that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. My gut tells me video is way more complicated than audio because you're dealing with more dimensions and processing than you mm -hmm. are in audio. Yeah. And given the file size, and even when you start stacking all these things, yeah. I have to assume audio is less complicated than video. I think from a technical standpoint, I, I think, uh, but I think that um, audio requires, to, to make video, you need a true monitor that will reveal the right coloring to you, right? And then the software to do it. But you can do it in a coffee shop or on an airplane or wherever. Mm -hmm. For audio, you have to have the right set of environment and room and all that to get it to sound competitive. And that's just a lot more sync financially. And I think that's one of the big barriers. Yeah, but that's, that's an argument for like the process of creation. I'm saying from the exportation of it. Like the fact oh, that right. you can be in Final Cut, you can literally hit export to YouTube, log into your YouTube account, and it will post directly to that. Yeah. Like your environment and if it's treated or if you use headphones or if you're on a laptop or this you're crazy. You're talking about once. From the I'm talking about from consumption. exportation on. Right. It should yes, not be. It was not nearly as complex. shouldn't be nearly as complex as video. In the dark ages compared to. Yeah. And... Like, I, I just think it's interesting that video is so progressive. Mm -hmm. Like, even uh, Adobe just announced uh, Adobe Rush, mm -hmm. which is their version of Premiere specifically for YouTubers. Yeah. Where 
it's stripped down, but then also combines elements of Premiere and After Effects, but more of the essential ones that most people that create videos for YouTube mm-hmm. use in one thing that is completely built on a YouTuber's platform. So mm-hmm. like, if you aren't creating a movie and don't need all of this excess stuff, creating a faster, more efficient workflow for those creators. Yeah. And I think it's just... I don't know why people want to make it hard for music. Well, it's a... Um... It, it, music, the music industry, and by music industry, I mean the 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 higher ups who have made a lot of money off of the efforts of others for 30, 40, 50 years, have been very, very resistant to change because I think that they see it as they have not had the vision to see what's actually coming. Mm-hmm. Film has very clearly done that. Well. They didn't at first. Everybody laughed Netflix out of the room mm-hmm. until Netflix had more money than all of them. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, shit, we got to embrace this. I, I don't know what the difference is, but like, so there's this like set of, of video creation that is Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very high dollar, $300 million budget amount, right? And then you have your kind of indie films and then you have everybody else who's just making stuff. And with music, you have the major label release packaged product and then everybody else who's actually trying to compete with this Mm -hmm. like a Marvel movie is here but then like some like Sundance indie film that Robert Downey Jr. makes for 30 million dollars which is not a very large budget for movies compared to 300 million for Marvel. He's not trying to compete with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. He's trying to do something different. Mm-hmm. But music doesn't do that. Music's trying to make this sound as good sonically as this. And maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Everybody's trying to compete up here rather than embracing that they're on a different competitive wavelength. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I have the answer. It's just more something I think about. I also feel like, like I think there's people that are doing it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's still siloed. And yeah. maybe this is all more wishful thinking and some other conversations that we've had before where wanting to see the musical community just embrace each other and yeah. create stuff and focus on creating music as opposed to yeah. trying to get whatever XYZ thing. Uh, but yeah, I think... I think there are people that put out the same level that are independent. I mm-hmm. think they're just like self-contained at this point. Yeah. Whereas YouTube embraced like this is a whole another outlet. Like TV shows don't look the same as Marvel movies, and right. that's okay. And like I, I think you're right. I, I don't think they feel like they're competing with each other. Right. I also think that the level of quality, like you have a lot of pro YouTubers whose stuff looks about as good as an indie film. Yeah. Because they have that skill set, and I think we have people that have the ability and I think and maybe it's just because it needs to branch out into more kind of music I think producers and rappers do this because it's either them or them and one friend and somebody makes the beat and the other person raps well it's a small team and they can move fast and so maybe my real beef is just with bands and that they need to get over themselves because I would love to see so much more of this where it's like cool you have a four or five person team embrace that your skills are good enough and well, dude, I, let's just call it what it is. Bands right now are kind of remain dead. The yeah. band is not a successful entity. No, 
It's not. Yeah. The bands that are successful right now have been bands for a long time. 30 years. Like the solo <laughs> artist or the duo is, is, is where it has been at for the last five to 10. Mm -hmm. And it's going to continue to be because a small team can move fast and can innovate quickly rather than sitting around cogitating on what the right move is. I don't know. No, I agree. If you're a band and you're listening, be better. Yeah. Like, because that's the thing. Four or five people is still a small team. If you can f focus on putting stuff out and hitting publish. That's it. Like, I think that's where the thing comes from, is that people are misaligned in what's acceptable to hit publish on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that's going to be... that that actually is probably going to initially stand in the way of the like out of the gate success of this DistroKid Spotify thing as far as volume is concerned because mm -hmm. people are still going to feel like they have to have that polished thing up whereas I don't know I just think that the whole release structure has an opportunity to change has had an opportunity to change for mm -hmm. a while but this might be an even bigger opportunity to see that change and I don't mean like well, now we release EPs and singles instead of full records. That's not what I mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, why, why won't an artist put up the same song in three, in three versions or formats? Mm -hmm. Here's an acoustic guitar, me singing version of having just written a song, and, mm -hmm. and, it's in the, and it's in the what I think is going to be the final structure. It goes on demos, playlist, whatever, mm -hmm. in Spotify. And then let's say I put up a song a week. Mm -hmm. At the end of the year, I have 52 in the demos playlist. And mm -hmm. then I crowdsource those based on response on social media and play count on Spotify. And then I make an EP of the top seven. Mm -hmm. Right? And then I take that EP and I see the crowdsource information on that, which one has done the best. And then I make a music video for that, like a high budget music video where I actually put some money and time and have a storyline and all that. But for the other six, I make a. Or for all seven, we make a live recording of playing the full version of it and put that up as a music video EP. Mm. Like, people don't share. Why is it we only see the one ending part? Like, YouTubers who do it well, like, have the polished stuff, yeah, but like, the whole like selfie video on Snapchat and Instagram stories and unpolished content like that exists for video, but it doesn't exist for music. I would say that it's because uh, video and content creators mm -hmm. realize the stories enough, and, and I don't think musicians don't. They don't. They musicians, unfortunately, I think we are a product focused group instead of well you think it's group. people think it's the shiny people think it's the like oh it's because this producer was on it and right. it's not it's also the same reason that an amazing song can be covered by every genre ever yeah it's not because it was produced well it's because the mm -hmm. song told an amazing story and you can have a punk rock version and an acoustic version and a piano version and a hip-hop version and a reggae version. Right. If the song and the story stands, it's enough. And the music world hasn't accepted that. That easy to accepted real fast. <laughs> like, I can tell you whoever does that, maybe I'll do it. Whoever does that is going to win. Yeah. 
Like if you just stick with it, if you apply just simply grit and trying to improve every time mm-hmm. to that format, literally release every version of your song and just make a transparent journey like available to your audience and tell the story, mm-hmm. you will win. And it will totally change the structure of how we consume music. And you will, I think that we would find, maybe we will find, that people are more interested in becoming a part of the culture of that musical camp rather than just buying the records. Mm-hmm. Like People want to be a part of something. Before we started recording, today we were talking about community and having a scene, mm-hmm. right? Like that creates a digital community for your whole fan base and audience base and everybody's in it together. I tell you, a band who has done that better than just about anybody is Linkin Park because mm-hmm. they put people behind the scenes all throughout their processes before anybody else was really doing it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And it has paid off. They have one of the most rabid fan bases of all time. Yeah. Anyway, Spotify and Distro Kid. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling. Yeah. Rolling in the deep over here. Um, yeah. So, all that to say, I think it's a. It's a good move. It's an interesting move. I think that the cross-pollination between probably SoundCloud and Spotify is going to increase now. Um, But I don't know. I'm interested to see how it plays out. I think that DistroKid has just made one of the best moves in the last probably 10 years of the music business. Oh, for sure. I think that they have attached themselves to the right star. I agree. I also think it's interesting, too, especially for them. Because obviously, Spotify is the thing to talk about, and mm-hmm. DistroKid's just the winner in this. Yeah. But I know we said we don't really see Apple doing the same thing, open the floodgates. But mm-hmm. hypothetically, let's say that this sets the tone in six months, year, eighteen months from now, everybody else follows suit, mm-hmm. where everybody else goes direct because they want their own direct piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. The beauty for DistroKid is. Once you got to do that for 20 different platforms, now all of a sudden you need another service to fill out the thing, yeah. even if it's direct, because you don't want to have to go input the same stuff. Right. And their same thing still works like it did on day one. Yep. That's it. <laughs> I don't, honestly, I don't know why you would use any other platform now, because DistroKid distributes to all of the others as well. Unless I'm missing something, and in this purchase they have exclusive Spotify has exclusive right to their service which I don't think that they would do that but I don't know why you'd use TuneCore or whatever else at this point they don't pay me to say this but I I use DistroKid yeah I have literally I have not thought of another reason that I'm like I should use something else mm-hmm. it's cheap it's efficient your stuff can be up in four hours do you think that um something like Lander might get roped into that mix eventually. Like, if you don't know what Lander is, it's a mastering website, uh, and it is an AI-powered mastering website and that every piece of music that is put through its algorithm, it learns from, correct me if I'm wrong, it learns mm-hmm. a little bit from based on genre and sonic mm-hmm. landscape and gets better at mastering over time. Yep. So where it is now is phenomenally better than where it was when it started Mm -hmm. and it will be better in three to five years even more so than it is now it would not surprise like 
the, the two end services, mixing is kind of hairy. I think that one day mixing will be automated. Mm-hmm. It's going to be AI driven. Everything is going to be AI driven. Mm-hmm. I think mixing will get there. It's still too complex still like to, to be there yet, but mastering is obviously there. There are websites like Lander that do this. Yeah. It would not surprise me if that type of service, the like sort of final touch portions of the process, if those didn't get included into the distro kid sort of be, thing as well. I'd be more curious if... Um, I don't know. I don't think they will come to the ecosystem. I'd be more curious to see if direct to Spotify becomes more of an API thing that you can plug into your platform, whereby mm. having DistroKid as your backend, like if I'm Lander, six months a year from now, will I be able to take the IP or the uh, whatever developers call it, but take the API That's from DistroKid or from mm-hmm. Spotify as part of that and implement that into my website as Lander where like mm-hmm. cool you want to download the master file oh you want to post direct to Spotify from here like after mm-hmm. you've listened to your revision of it I will be curious if services like that the same way that post to YouTube is just an option on a lot of things yeah. when you export People in the music business don't think about this because I, I don't know if it's just not enough revenue in it or if it's not an important enough thing culturally to really spend the time on. But like, if I could go into my doll and when I'm done producing my track, and let's say I'm done mixing my track, if I could just pull up the mastering plugin and put it on my... T- or just like go to export and like... And in the export options, select master, and then export from there. And it's like to have that mastering option, I have to have a Spotify subscription, and the Spotify mastering service is powered by mm-hmm. Lander. And then I click master, and then it masters, and then I listen back, and then it says, "Do you want to distribute? Distribute." And then I all I check all the information, and then I hit distribute, and I select where I want it to go. And it's up. But nobody is doing that with music. Nobody is trying to get that deeply integrated. Video, they're all over it. Like every video editing platform has post to Vimeo, post to YouTube, post to Facebook. You know, you can incorporate all the social media aspects and everything that you edit. Like every photo editing app on my phone, what social media website do you want to post mm-hmm. it to? But that doesn't happen in music. There isn't this cross-pollination and integration of multiple platforms at different steps. And to me, that's obnoxious. It's people living in the dark ages. Yeah. It's, I, I, like it's, it's corrosive in our industry. I, I think there's enough old people that are still in play <laughs> that, like the hidden figures... Like with the computing. Did you ever see that movie? Mm-mm. Never I have mind. It, I have it in my notepad. Somebody Doesn't matter. Then it. I'm going to jump to something else. Yeah. Because this applies to everything. This is like as technology advances, people, like, who's hurt by that? Who, who benefits by talking shit about Lander sucking? Right. All the people who are mastering, mastering engineers. engineers and record labels who don't, who want to keep having their relationships with mastering but engineers. Here's the thing. The only people that get hurt are the people that stay stagnant. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you are someone that's a mastering engineer, sure, that might have been your bread and butter for 20 years, 30 years. Sure. And 
maybe it sucks that one day you woke up and you're like, oh, now I gotta change my systems because this was working great. Right. But it doesn't matter what you do. Like, guess what? People thought computers were the devil. The same way that everybody's freaking out about AI right now. They're like, oh, the robots are gonna take over. No, they're not. Right. It's making processes simpler. Yeah. So that you can be more efficient and churn out more work. Right. And, you know, I think it's just those people that there's still enough people in music that are like, no, you need a real studio. You need to spend $1,200 a day to rent our room <laughs> and then pay our mastering engineer and then pay our mixing guy. Like, there are talented people. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that if you're on day one, those people aren't going to be better than you. Of course they are. Right. I think there's more long-term equity in you taking the time to be just okay and then do it again next month mm -hmm. and be a little bit more okay and yeah. do it again and do it again and then a year from now you're like oh i'm decent yeah and then do that for another year and you're like oh i'm like actually like i've moved up to okay <laughs> <laughs> moved up to okay a year from now you're like okay yeah. i'm like pretty good yeah you know and like i think you should be going for the long play and the equity of yourself mm -hmm. and unfortunately I think there are certain jobs in industries like mastering engineers that have been great at what they do I'm not saying they don't make a difference like they are smart people mm -hmm. I just also think that technology is pretty bitching mm -hmm. and it's going like it's not stopping so you can right. either be upset and talk shit about that and say that it's not good enough even though when you put it up against consumers' ears, they can't tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And honestly, they're the ones that matter, not your mastering engineer friend who's butthurt about it. Yep. So, like, you need to stay relevant. You need to evolve and always, like, grow your skills mm -hmm. and continue to learn new things and try and stay on the forefront of, like, if you're a mastering engineer, I don't know what the answer is for you. But I, if that was my job, I would have been thinking about it from the first day that I heard about Lander. Mm -hmm. About, like, how do I either provide way more value, that there is a difference, yeah. or how do I evolve into the next thing? Because new things create new jobs. And, like, for somebody who's a mastering engineer, it would be a great application of their knowledge and talent to see where their craft is going to go next beyond them mm -hmm. and be the person to help guide it in a responsible and interesting way so that it can be the best that it can be plus if you're that guy or girl then you stand to make bank by putting your knowledge to work in a way that is bigger than your set amount of time you can spend mastering tracks like whoever made lander definitely makes more money than any one mastering engineer yeah and if you're the point. if you're the one for the last 30 years you're the go-to yeah you've been on everybody's record mastered everything why aren't you the one picking up the phone, calling Lander? Right. Being like, hey, guys. Let me help. You suck. Right. Like, by my, you right. know, pristine whatever things, like, it's right. not there. But I'm also not a fool, and I can see the future. Let me help you take it to the next level to where it's no question. Like, yeah. Sweet retainer job. Yeah. <laughs> like, Give me an equity stake for my knowledge. Yeah. Done. It's get like, and anyway, it's getting a lot, a lot more streamlined. But yeah, I, I remain frustrated with it. It could be moving faster. It really could be, man. And just, I, I, I wonder if, I don't know. I, I wonder like how much of the old guard is is not is just gonna get 
left behind. I think a very large portion of people, not even old guard, like people who are our age are going to get left behind mm-hmm. for making music because they are trying to stick to, oh, I need $100,000 worth of analog gear and I need to book studio time and I need to make sure I have the best engineer and da 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 It's like... That's true, man, because like 13-year-olds don't have this problem. No. They aren't worried about it. They aren't thinking about these things. Well, they, they don't romanticize watching you know, old school cats make records in big box studios. Yeah. They romanticize YouTubers with an MPC or I guess it would be an Akai at this point. Like nobody even buys MPC stuff to my knowledge, but like with an Akai sample pad making beats like on their phone or mm-hmm. on their laptop or iPad, like that's who they romanticize. They don't give a rip about going and spending a hundred thousand dollars on a record. Yeah. It's totally our peers that are going to fail. Yeah, that have all the opportunity in the world right now. Mm-hmm. All the resources. We 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 stand in an interesting position of being able to have the knowledge of watching and romanticizing all of the old school cats, but still being young enough to do something different mm-hmm. with that information. Our peer group could be the leaders into the next generation, bringing some of the things that work from the old while pushing the new. Mm-hmm. If we're bold enough to do it. Yep. Otherwise. All of that is going to get completely left, and it's going to change so much, it's not even going to resemble what we have known. For sure. But it's going to change. This is an example of it. Yep. So. We, uh, we had lots of thoughts today. We hit a lot of things. Yeah. I, I would there's love. Some, there's some part twos. There's several well, part twos in there somewhere, I think. But also, I, I think we talk at people a lot, but this is one where I love for people to open the conversation and get feedback and yeah. like what are your thoughts on the spotify thing mm-hmm. like do you love it do you hate it do you think that apple's going to follow suit yeah you know what are your thoughts on people being dinosaurs about advancing music mm-hmm. what kind of technologies or like partnerships or yeah what kind of stuff do you think would be cool who should be working on stuff like we'd love to hear about yeah. all that stuff on this one i also want to say this on on this show like if we like get something wrong like bring it to our attention in the comments or on Twitter or whatever because there's a lot of a lot of times we'll say like in this episode like if, I don't know who the top mastering engineer in, but it is but if he or she went to the to Lander and said let me help like that could have already happened and we just may not know about it you it's know true. what I mean whoever the top dog is may already be affiliated and if that's the case let us know so that we can make sure that we are more informed than we were yesterday because we we're learning too this is a whole community process here of us all trying to figure out how to be the best with each other so it's true yeah and with that being said <laughs> the questions pew, pew. question time hey this week's question comes from Kiora uh, Stephen who I assume is in Manchester United Kingdom based on the question uh, as a professional drummer I seem to rely only on teaching I'm finding it impossible to land or even find a studio or touring gig. What is the best way of finding this type of work, and is Manchester, UK, a good enough city to succeed in? That's actually a really good question. Um, I think that the best way to go about finding a gig is to start, well, first of all, to connect with your community. I think that any city is a good enough city to get started in. Um, I think that if you find yourself outgrowing your fishbowl or your pond, as it were, uh, then you can move somewhere else. But 
Um, I think any play, wherever you are, is the best place to get started. I think um, connecting with people in your community is step one. And an additional step one, we'll say step one B, is to start working on the things you want to work on already. Start making stuff, start creating content. Social media has changed everything. So be making drum videos, uh, be recording drums. Like if nobody will hire you, hire you to record drums, then record your own drums and make videos of it and put it up. And then you can start connecting with people around you in your area through social media who you might not meet at venues or at coffee shops or whatever. Like there are filters that you can apply on every social network to target people in your area who will hire you to do the exact thing that you want to do. And then look, as far as touring is concerned, look for bands like, Look for bands in your area. Make friends with the members. Don't, I mean, you can make friends with the drummer, but make friends with the guitar player or the singer or whatever. Like, you never know who is going to drop out or need somebody. And it may not be a band you're friends with, but if you're friends with a band or, say, a few bands and they all know that you want a gig and they know another band who loses their drummer, then they're, they're going to put your name in the hat. So I think using social media... And making your own stuff and then just being intentional about creating relationships is the way to go. Make videos of you playing drums and put them on the internet. Lots of them. All day long, all day, every day. Uh, if you are a musician that wants to be touring, I'm a firm believer that your social media, particularly uh, YouTube and Instagram, are your new resume. Like... Mm -hmm. I've never been asked for a piece of paper for any gig that I've ever had, and most of them came before it was that big of a deal, and it was all, you're either brought on because you're homies, or there's enough uh, viable proof that you can get the job done to at least get you in the door to prove to them that you can do it. Yeah. Uh, so make videos, put them on the internet. And two, I totally, uh, exactly what Tom said, uh, particularly to get more specific on social media, get on Facebook and search for Facebook groups uh, near you. So, for example, Manchester. Literally type in musicians in Manchester. If you're somebody, like, somewhere else, you're, like, in Omaha, musicians in Omaha, and Google that, and didn't search for the groups. Like, don't look for people. Get on Facebook, look for groups that are musicians in your town, and there is always something. Or there's something that whatever the closest town to you is, like you're not the only one living in the peripheral. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you don't live in a major city. If you live 45 minutes from a major city, you're not the only person in those groups that lives 45 minutes from that city. True. So the combination of putting yourself out there, you can find people that are looking in those kinds of groups and then exactly what Tom said, be a part of your community. Go to shows, hang out with bands, make friends with those people that are doing the stuff that you want to do. Because they're going to be the people that are friends with the other people that like, oh, we just lost our drummer, or we were looking for a drummer. And yeah. That's how they're going to find you. Yeah, you need to expand your network beyond drummers. If you're teaching a lot, your network is drummers, and your network needs to include people who play other instruments. But also, that network is... maybe It doesn't, I mean, it shouldn't exclude drummers. You just need to include more people in your network that are not just drummers. Well, even outside of the drummer side, because I agree with you. But also past that, like, assumedly, if you are teaching, you are teaching people that are not pros or practitioners yet. Or mm -hmm. if they are, they're probably young. Mm -hmm. So even though you're around musicians, you're not around musicians that are your peers. 
Yeah. And that's where I think the going and being a part of the communities and going and being a part of shows and hanging out with people afterwards, if you're on the same level as the people playing, like I think teaching is awesome. That's a great way to supplement your income. But you can't just have students. You've got to have peers if you want to yep. play. That's it. You got it, man. You can do it.